Hello and welcome back to Basic Bible 102. Today's lesson is Lesson 10 in the series, The Life of Christ, the New Testament. And we have been covering different lessons that go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the the first uh, four books of the New Testament, or also known as the Gospels. Today's lesson is going to talk a lot about uh, the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, in up to this time, we've been talking about Jesus' parables and how he will explain the righteous, this is going to happen to them, the unrighteous, this is going to happen to them. So people could get the impression that, well, I'm one of the righteous, and yet that wouldn't necessarily be true in the way that Jesus defined righteousness. So we're going to look at that today, and we're going to begin in Matthew 21, verse 28. If you have been using the student workbooks to uh, follow along and do the lessons, at the beginning of today's lesson, you would be doing quiz number two. And that is actually available through the Leader's Guide, but it's also available online at basicbible102.com. And if you have done the quiz and would like the answers, just go ahead and I think you can click down into the student area and you will see the answers there. Or, of course, you can always email me, margie at basicbible102.com. Okay, so today we're looking at the story of uh, two sons. And the father has asked the one son, well, let's begin. I'll just read it. Uh, Matthew 21, beginning in verse 28. What do you think? Now, Jesus is saying this. There was a man who had two sons. He went up to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to this other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first they answered. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. So Jesus is talking there to some of the religious leaders, uh, Pharisees and, and some of the priests. And It's easy to think that Jesus just liked to antagonize them, but he didn't. He was trying to make a point. He was saying, you know, some people did not start off in their life um, really wanting to serve God and, and be a good person. They had things kind of rough. And he talks about the tax collectors and the prostitutes. And then he said, but some people said they were, you know, believers and and started in their life with studying the word and um, trying to live a godly life. But then they weren't really being godly after all. They were actually being very um, cruel to people and very self-righteous. And on the inside, they were black as could be. They were nothing about them was spiritual. So this what he's saying here is that the first son said, no, I'm not going to believe Basically, I'm not, I'm not going to go work for you, Father. But then he changed his mind and he did. So that is what Jesus is saying here. He's saying your righteousness needs to exceed that of the Pharisees and the um, priests and, and such because they say that they are going to follow God 
and uh, obey his commandments, and yet they don't. So they are like the son that said, yeah, I'm going to go work in the vineyard, but then he didn't ever do it. Okay, so we see here um, that Jesus is giving people a, a kind of a close-up look of what is, it, what is righteousness. In your uh, student workbook, you would notice that the homework for today is in the same section that's just down the next passage, which is uh, Matthew 21, 33 through 45. And what he's talking about here is a landowner who decides to develop his land and he hires tenants, people to come and basically run his business. But as the business proceeds and the landowner is gone, he travels or whatever, when he he wants to collect some of the profit, uh, he sends his servants and said and and says, "Go collect some a portion of the profit." But when he when they arrive, the tenants that are there decide, "Well, we don't want to pay anything. Let's just kill them and and we won't have to worry about it." But the landowner wasn't going to give up that easy. So he sent some more servants. And once again, the tenants decided, we can just go ahead and do away with them too. So you can imagine that the owner of the vineyard was like, what is going on here? So the next time he sent his son and they figured surely he will respect my son. But instead the tenants decide, oh, he's the heir. If we get rid of him, we really got it made. So they go ahead and kill the, uh, the the landowner's son. All right, so then down in verse 40, it says, Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard out to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. And of course, this is alluding to when God sent his son Jesus and Jesus was killed. So um, we will go ahead and and see here on the questions in in your homework. If you are not part of a group, um, just you can get a lot of the answers here. But who were the tenants in this parable? Who is he referring to? Uh, Probably the Pharisees, those who uh, God entrusted um, his word through them to the people. And the Pharisees were supposed to be responsible for the spiritual condition of people, but they were far more interested in their own self-righteousness. So according to the parable, what did the Pharisees have coming to them? A wretched end, as you can see. Okay, let's continue on. In verse 42, Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the capstone? The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. He who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. Okay, this is a difficult parable. Once again, Jesus is speaking in parables. He's speaking in example of what will happen. And so the capstone being the center, uh, something that was uh, meant to hold up the wind, the building or the cornerstone uh, represents Jesus. He is the cornerstone, the one that we build our faith on. And yet the builders, who in this case are represented by the uh, Pharisees, refuse that. They don't want anything to do with the, the, the cornerstone or with Christ. 
So Jesus says, well, those who fall on the cornerstone, the capstone, those who fall at Jesus' feet, who put their lives, um, forsaking all else to follow Jesus, might be um, crushed temporarily. They might um, give away everything and it just changes their life. Versus the supposed Pharisees who are supposed to be righteous and instead the stone will fall on them and crush them. They, he is saying that uh, because you didn't believe, you will face um, the wrath of God for that. Okay, this particular uh, line of thinking, uh, the parable about the wicked tenants, uh, is also repeated in Mark 12 and Luke 20, almost verbatim. And so we know that it impacted the listeners greatly. They, they are thinking, boy, if the Pharisees, who are so perfect in God's eyes, or supposedly, if they're not righteous, then who can be righteous? But the Pharisees thought they were righteous, and that was the problem. They didn't give Jesus any room to um, change their life, change their hearts, because they believed they were being righteous. Okay, let's turn one to one more, and um, this is the story of the Good Samaritan. And some of you have probably heard this story or you, this parable, or you have um, heard the term, the Good Samaritan. And so we're going to look at this a little closer. And this is back in Luke 10, verse 25. In this case, a lawyer comes to Jesus and asks him a question. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? And so the lawyer says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, that's exactly right. And Jesus says, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But for some reason, the lawyer is not accepting that. And I think it's because he realizes it takes more than just being able to repeat what the word says, that it takes a true change of heart. So he pries a little bit deeper. He says, uh, and who is my neighbor? Now, if someone asked you that question, what would you say? Who is my neighbor? You might say, well, it's the person that lives next door, or it's the guy that's in the cubicle next to mine, or however you might say, who is your neighbor? But Jesus then proceeds to explain to him who is his neighbor. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw him, the man, he passed on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Looked at, look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The lawyer replies to him, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. We use this frequently as an example of 
being kind to people you don't know, um, helping someone when they're in distress, and you, you're just a good Samaritan. That's what you're called. Uh, someone breaks down on the side of the road and you stop to help them, you know, help change a tire, whatever it is. Um, but what Jesus is saying here is that your neighbor could be anyone, but you, what he's getting at is it's the people to whom you show mercy. It's the ones to whom you reach out and help. And plenty of people in our world need help. They may be in your city, they may be on your block, they may be across the world, but nonetheless, there are many opportunities to be a good Samaritan. Jesus is showing that compassion must rule in your heart. Now, the other two guys that went by, the priest and the Levite. Now, remember, a Levite is also from the priestly family. So they both might have had very good reasons for going on, not being able to stop. We're all busy. You know, you just don't have time to mess with it right now. But that's what Jesus is pointing out. Someone who, and a Samaritan especially, because Samaritans were looked down upon by the Jews. They were considered not really um, followers of God. But the Samaritans would have said they were. They would have said that they are Jews too. Uh, but according to the Orthodox Jews, no, they, they were not because they didn't worship at the right place. And there was probably other things that were different about the Samaritans. They lived in their own separate section. So what, the fact that it was a Samaritan that showed kindness to this man who had been um, wounded, that probably really rubbed salt in the wounds. Once again, Jesus is pointing out that righteousness is not something that you work on, that you um, work on, on on the outside. It's something that has to happen in your heart. And he's showing that the Good Samaritan was a righteous man because he cared about the other man. All right, so the Samaritans, like I said, were not particularly friendly with the the Jews. The Jews just looked down on them. So Jesus is using this, and he will use some other examples of Samaritans to kind of show that nobody is beneath you, that just because you think you're more righteous than someone, that doesn't mean that you are. One of the things that uh, begins to creep up in our um, day and age is if you are a Christian and you become a Christian, you follow a Christ, and you begin to start doing pretty well at it, change your life, uh, give up bad habits, uh, start, you know, really um, reading the word, praying, uh, going to church, whatever, however you see growing in your faith. And there are many ways, Bible studies, even this podcast. But as you grow as a Christian, you don't want to end up looking down upon other Christians who aren't where you are yet. And it's very important that you don't consider yourself self-righteous. You don't see yourself as being somehow worthy of the name Christian because as soon as you do that, you are not being um, a righteous person. Okay, so uh, in conclusion for today's lesson, we know that righteousness comes only through a heart changed by Jesus Christ Good intentions are not enough to get us into heaven. The road to to heaven is paved with good intentions. Uh, As we saw with the the young son that said, well, I'll go, but then he didn't. So it's not our intentions. It's what we actually do. Um, We saw that everyone will either be broken and repent, believing in Jesus, or 
they will be crushed and condemned to eternal punishment because they do not believe in Jesus. And then true love of one's neighbor is shown in a willingness to be inconvenienced for their sake, to give of yourself for someone else. All right, so if you are working through the um, student workbook, next week we will be covering Lesson 10, and it is talking about, I mean, I'm sorry, Lesson 11, and we will be talking about money. Now, money is a tricky thing to teach on, but Jesus spoke a lot about money, and the Bible itself speaks quite a bit about money. So I think it's something that's worth it for us to look in at and uh, to ponder, to think, okay, what was Jesus saying when he was teaching about money? Because, as I said, he did. And for your um, homework, you will be looking at Matthew 6, 1 through 4, and then verses 19 through 34. And then if you want to read for preparation for the lesson, Luke 12 would be a good um, chapter to read. I hope that as you are reading the passages and doing the homework and listening to the podcast, that you are not just listening to gather knowledge, because that is just going to puff up. Knowledge puffs up. Um, it It's important, but it's not the real purpose. Jesus didn't teach to, pre- to present everyone with more knowledge. He was looking for a change of heart. So I hope that you're applying these principles too. And if you feel that you have been a little bit self-righteous, it's easy to fall into that. Um, spend some time and just ask Jesus to forgive that attitude and to give you a heart like the Good Samaritan who will see people as um, for who they are and care about them and not um, think that they're beneath you. All right. Thanks so much for your patience and your continuing on with Basic Bible 102. And if you have questions, remember you can email me and uh, you can go on the website and Um, pull off some of the um, quizzes and such. And at the end of this uh, section, this uh, module, we will have a final over all of this. So it's kind of good to go back and review some of this. All right. In the meantime, I hope you have a great week and be blessed. Mm -hmm.